Hello, and welcome to PW's LitCast, a podcast from Publishers Weekly. In each episode, we speak with authors of all genres. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. And today, I'm speaking with Katie Chin, whose book is Katie Chin's Everyday Chinese Cookbook, published by Tuttle, and is the sponsor of today's podcast. Hello, Katie. Hello there. So I want to just ask about this cookbook. What makes it everyday Chinese? Well, I'm all about demystifying Asian cooking for the everyday home cook, using pots and pans in your modern kitchen, ingredients that are readily available in a lot of grocery stores, or maybe an occasional trip to an Asian market. And tell us about some of the ingredients that you might find in there. Well, what's so great today is that you can find ingredients like hoisin sauce, oyster sauce, sauces that are readily used in a lot of um, Chinese dishes. You can find things now like dried shiitake mushrooms, baby bok choy at the grocery store, canned things like canned mushrooms, as well as canned water chestnuts and baby corn. So there's a lot of things today versus when my mother was making Chinese food when she first immigrated to America in the 1950s, she couldn't even find ginger at the grocery store at that point. To be able to make Chinese food on any given weeknight instead of a special occasion um, in which people think it's going to take hours and hours and hours. In fact, it can be super simple and super fast. I also recommend for stir fries to go to the grocery store and the salad bar because things are cut, cleaned, and ready to go. And in some cases, you can save money by doing it this way when you're cooking for one or two people. Well, let's talk a little bit about what inspired you to do the cookbook and, and why now? It's kind of a long story, but I'll try to make it as short as possible. But my mother was an incredible chef and restaurateur in Minnesota, where I'm from. And she had immigrated from China to Minnesota and was a seamstress making 50 cents an hour. But she always loved to cook. And so one day she threw a luncheon for some of her sewing clients. And they were so impressed with her authentic Chinese cooking. They encouraged her to start catering and teaching classes. So one thing led to another. And she got some investors in her restaurant including Sean Connery and the owner of the Minnesota Twins. And she grew it into a $50 million restaurant empire. She never even went to high school. So this is really in honor of my mother because she has such an incredible story. And she and I cooked together after I had a whole other career. I worked in marketing and promotions for different studios like Fox and Universal and Disney. And while I grew up cooking with her, I had completely forgotten how to cook. And one day I decided to have a dinner party for some clients and I kept calling her on the phone and she was like, this is ridiculous. So she got on a plane with frozen lemon chicken and cooked the whole meal, but let people think that I had cooked it. Oh, But she was so mortified because she found only champagne and yogurt in my refrigerator. (laughs) So she's like, oh my God. So she came out to LA and um, started cooking with me, teaching me again with all of my friends and they encouraged us to do a cookbook together. So I decided to leave my career and she and I, um, did a cookbook together. We had a catering business together and we had a series on PBS called Double Happiness. So we really became friends as adults cooking in the kitchen together. And she passed away um, almost six years ago. So I'm just so thrilled to pay homage to her through this book. Well, there's a lot of of what you just said I'd like to talk about in bits. And I wanted to start with where exactly in China uh, was your mother from and were you born there as well? She was from Guangzhou, China. Um, She and my father escaped the Cultural Revolution and were married in Hong Kong. 
Mm-hmm. And then they came to Minnesota. So I was born and raised in Minnesota. Okay. And what was it that, like, if there were recipes or, or meals that you remember from when you were in Minnesota, your mom cooking, uh, and as you said, it was even difficult for her to get certain items such as ginger. What is it that you most remembered about your meals as, as a child? I was so amazed at how she could take simple ingredients and transform them into this incredible gourmet Chinese dish. But she was a bit of the head of her time, plus we didn't have a lot of money, so she grew a lot of her own vegetables. So she'd grow bok choy, and it was right from the garden, buy a lean cut of meat, make a very simple stir fry, and serve it over hot steaming rice. And, you know, we felt like kings and queens. Um, And also things like Cantonese chow mein, Um, bring up so many fond memories because this is something she would make on a Saturday in the rare event when she wasn't working. So Mm. it was a special treat she made for our family. And once again, we didn't have a lot of money. So it was a one pot meal that had, you know, protein, noodles and vegetables. And, you know, we really felt spoiled, not always appreciating her at the time. But I can look back now and realize how lucky we were. I wanted to talk a little bit about Chinese versus Chinese-American cooking and and how she approached that in her restaurant. How did she go about choosing the items on the menu and getting the ingredients necessary? Well, by the time she opened the restaurants and because she was a restaurateur, it was easier for her to get you know, the ingredients that she needed. As far as really appealing to a Midwestern palate, because bear in mind, when she opened the restaurant, this is the first time people experienced true, authentic Chinese cuisine, but she knew her audience. Understanding that flavors in a sweet and sour pork or a lemon chicken are going to be very appealing to the American palate, she definitely served those kinds of things. But she also tried to expose um, her customers to things like Szechuan beef, for example, whole steamed fish, um, without going too crazy. But I think she really played to her audience without, you know, losing the integrity of her cooking. What is your approach with this cookbook right now? I mean, in in your selection of, is it Chinese or is it Chinese American? I I mean, I eat Italian and Italian American cuisine. I see them as equally valid. I'm Italian American, though separate cuisines. What is your approach with this book? I would say it's a pretty good balance. I took a lot of the recipes from, you know, the Chin family vault and recipes that we came up with together in our catering business, as well as recipes that, you know, were featured at her restaurants. Mm. So I wanted to bring some of the homestyle cooking that we grew up with into the book as well. But again, understanding, you know, the American palate things that people really love to eat in Chinese restaurants, like General Tso's chicken, orange chicken. I wanted to include those things, again, along with a whole steamed fish mm-hmm. that not everybody has experienced. And as well as something that that seems ubiquitous in, in, a, in Chinese restaurants, the sweet and sour pork. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and maybe the background on that. Well, you know, this is a dish that is served mainly at banquets, in Mm. China and at Chinese American events. Um, It's not something you eat every day. It's really considered a special treat because you've got 
you know, the glaze of the sweet and sour. Um, you know, Chinese people believe in the yin and yang of cuisine and eating. So you've got to balance. So if you're going to serve something like that, a fried dish, mm -hmm. you should balance it with something that's steamed and healthy. So Chinese cuisine isn't usually about sitting down and eating an entire order of sweet and sour pork with a side of rice. Right. It's about combining it with other things for a complete menu. And so what would you combine that sweet and sour pork with? Say you were entertaining maybe four or six people. I would do a sweet and sour pork with maybe a shrimp with fragrant vegetables, which is a simple stir fry with nice, crunchy, tender, crisp vegetables. I would do a noodle dish, maybe a long life noodle dish um, with a variety of vegetables and um, maybe the three ingredient lo mein because you've got chicken, pork, and beef in that dish. Mm. So for a nice variety, I'm thinking of a dinner party, not dinner right. for my family. Right, 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 right. Um, and then I might include a fiery uh, Szechuan dish to go along with it. So you've got different textures, tastes, and different cooking methods. And what about something like the shiitake mushroom and spinach dumplings? I'm looking at that right now. It looks wonderful. Oh, those are so delicious and surprisingly easy to make. And I love to make these for my kids because I have seven-year-old twins because oh. they're so tasty. They kind of forget that they're eating food that's good for them. Right. Exactly. Well, I want to talk a little bit about the, the complexity of recipes Chinese uh, in Chinese cuisine. I mean, to, to the uh, novice, they may uh, approach the recipe saying, oh, I, why, I, I couldn't cook that at home. I mean, it's just too complex. I don't have the ingredients. And, and it's easier if I just go to uh, ch pick it up a uh, Chinese restaurant. I guess you could say that about so many different cuisines. I think the thing about Chinese cooking is once you sort of get the basic fundamentals down, mm -hmm. It's not that hard because you're using essentially the same techniques over and over again. And I think the key, particularly with stir fries, it's all in the prep work because the actual cooking time is very, very fast. So it's all a matter of being organized. You've got your vegetables and your proteins cooked, cleaned and ready to go. They're always sort of cut the same size so they're cooked evenly. We tend to, you know, marinate our proteins and stir fries with a bit of cornstarch because it really creates a seal around the protein. So it's very tender and doesn't overcook. So there's just sort of like a two-step process. Obviously, with some other dishes, they're a bit more involved. Like if you're going to make an orange chicken, that doesn't involve a batter and a sauce. So maybe that's something that you take your time with on a Saturday afternoon versus a right. busy week night. But I think if you just, you know, really experiment and explore, you'll you'll gain the confidence and then you can actually start improvising. Like, you know what? I could just use that leftover grilled chicken for this wonton soup. Throw right. it in, which is what I love to see the most with my students. And they all say after I teach a class, I cannot believe how easy that was. And where do you teach? Oh, I teach at the Gorman D School in Santa Monica. In California. Oh. And then I actually am also doing cooking demonstrations for a new digital platform called NOM. It's spelled N-O-M. Mm -hmm. It's um, launching March 7th, but it's basically live streaming cooking demos. And mm -hmm. when people watch for them, their computer, they can actually ask questions as you're cooking and then you answer back to them in real time. 
Oh, wow. To the camera. Yeah, it's really cool. I'm doing one today at one o'clock. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, look out for that. It's called NOM, N-O-M, and my channel is called Katie Walks, W-O-K-S. And talking about ingredients, and I just wanted to go back a little bit. When when either you were young and cooking or your mother was cooking, would she ever find uh, uh, ingredients that weren't necessarily Chinese and fold them into her recipes? Well, you know, um, for example, the honey barbecued pork recipe does yeah. include ketchup because the ketchup adds a sweetness and a nice red hue to the dish. So that's something that um, I know a lot of Chinese dishes include some form of ketchup, particularly in a barbecue. Right. In addition, um, and this sort of originated in Hong Kong is my understanding, but um, and that it's migrated its way to the U.S. is the use of um, condensed milk and mayonnaise. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you've ever had walnut shrimp, but it's to die for. It's so it's so sinful and delicious. It's definitely a special treat kind of thing. But the ingredients in the sauce are actually condensed milk, mayonnaise, lime juice, and lemon juice. So it's got that creamy, sweet tartness to the sauce mm-hmm. that people go crazy for. Wow. And is that something in uh, that you've incorporated in your cookbook? Yes. Okay. And I always try to, you know, recommend shortcuts. So while, you know, you could make the candied walnuts on your own, I just go to Trader Joe's and buy the candied walnuts because it saves <laughs> a lot of time. Sure. You know, and not that many people have time to actually be making candied walnuts. So I try to create shortcuts for people whenever possible. And I wanted to just go back something that uh, when you're, uh, you had said about your mother getting started, she had uh, support or at least uh, encouragement from uh, uh, someone like Sean Connery. Tell me, what was Sean Connery doing in Minneapolis? <laughs> he happened to be good friends with the owner of the Minnesota Twins. So my mother became friendly with him through this socialite she had met and catered for. And he brought Sean Connery and actually Robert Redford to a party. My mother was catering and I was serving them. I served Robert Redford and I was like, oh my goodness, my knees were buckling. I think I was 12. (laughs) And um, Sean Connery just fell in love with her food. And the rest is history. Now, you also worked on a cookbook with your mother uh, several years ago. Um, if you wanted to, tell us a little bit about, about that and how um, you approach this cookbook differently. That cookbook was the one we did together when I uh, first you know, stepped into a culinary career. And that book is similar to this book. And some of the recipes from that book are in this book. But I really wanted to um, create a more well-rounded approach with this book. Mm-hmm. And like I said, add some of the recipes she and I created in our catering business, as well as some that weren't featured from our childhood. And also, the key difference between that book and this one, other than the recipes, is I've woven a lot of family memories into this book. Stories about her life in China, our experiences, Chinese-Americans growing up in Minnesota, her life as a successful immigrant businesswoman, and of course, our relationship together cooking. Well, Katie, this sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for talking with us. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And audience, thank you for listening and join us for the next LitCast.